Hello there, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch, and as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Today's guest is a special one because we're going to dive into a topic that many of you probably know about on the surface, but don't know some of the strategies that we're going to uncover in this episode. Real estate, as, as most of you know, have quite a bit of tax benefits, but the most common one is the 1031 exchange. And there are different strategies and things to know around that that can make your investment journey a astronomical success if you know about these things. So before we get into it, I want to tell you a little bit about how 1031 exchange works. And so what that means is essentially you can sell an investment property, can't be your own residence, your home. You can sell your investment property and take the profit. And within 45 days, you have to identify another property that you're going to purchase of like kind. So it has to be the same debt to income ratio as the other one, or the, I'm sorry, the debt ratio and then the equity ratio have to be similar. And then you can essentially take your profits from that deal and roll it into another deal. You have to purchase it within six months. So you have to identify within 45 days and you have to purchase that property within six months. And what that does is it allows you to avoid paying capital gains, which is awesome. So there are some rules around that and how you need to do it and, and all that, but we're going to get into that in this episode. And this is a strategy that we, in fact, use at Nighthawk Equity within syndication. So how cool is that? So you can essentially invest as a passive investor into one of our deals. And then when we go to sell at a profit, we'll sell the deal and 1031 it into another deal. And you have the option to either take your cash and, and run, or you can, you can participate in a 1031 and get into another deal, and double down on an investment in, in an amount of time that's typically shorter than a full hold time on one single deal. So a lot of people like this option, something that we do at Nighthawk Equity. And if you're, if you're interested in, in hearing more about that and how you could potentially get involved in an apartment deal that we're doing, please reach out to us at nighthawkequity.com. Click the join button join the investor club, set up a call with David. He can go over exactly our step-by-step process as to how we get regular everyday people into investments. And it is exciting to be able to partner with people on these types of things. And we're one of the few investment groups that actually does 1031 exchanges out there. So you can take advantage of that and get in on the, on the action. It's a great time to get into some real estate. So want to give a shout out to Cam248 via Apple Podcasts. Cam said, this is a great show. I listened to my first show recently and thought it was just amazing. I'll be watching out for more episodes to learn from. Thanks, Cam. The first dealmaker success highlights. Scott Dilly closed on an 84 and a 14 unit last July in Tucson, Arizona, for one for $7.7 million and one for $1.1 million. Matt B was his mentor. Congratulations, Scott. 
So a little introduction into our guest. Dave Foster has helped thousands of investors build and preserve real estate wealth for themselves and their heirs, allowing them to succeed and follow their passion by maximizing reinvestment opportunities over the lifetime of investing. Dave is the 1031 expert, and he's going to share a lot with us today. I actually learned a tool on this podcast that I'm going to use in future business dealing. So I am super excited that that you guys get to hear that. This guy is super smart. Let's get into the show with Dave Foster. Dave, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Garrett. It's so good to be here. Great. So today we're going to talk about 1031 exchanges, which you seem to know quite a bit about. Why did you get into this industry? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. Okay. Well, like everything, there's always a backstory, right? So starting off just with five seconds about what 1031 is, and then this will show you my why. And that's really kind of what I hope everybody has a chance to discover is their own why for these things. So the 1031 exchange allows investors in real estate to sell their real estate and buy new real estate and not have to pay tax on the profits. Instead, you get to use that money for your own benefit and you get to generate the income off of it as long as it's tasty for sounds pretty good right it almost sounds like a partner you'd love to have and as you're searching for financial freedom that's kind of exactly the way to look at it so that's what's so cool about this and me being here today is that was our journey 25 years ago we were looking to get out of two pretty you know pressure cooker careers And we had just had our first son. And that's like buying a new TV. You just want to watch them all the time. I said, okay, time is the commodity that we value the most. How can we create a life that's going to maximize our time with our family and minimize this? Sounds familiar, right? And so like so many people, we went, ah, let's just go invest in real estate. Perfect idea. So in true Dave Foster form, I'm a big believer in ready, fire, aim. The details will sort themselves out later. So I went and bought a duplex in Denver, Colorado. That was 1996. I fixed it up. We sold it. We made a bunch of money until I went to my accountant and he shook his head and said, man, are you going to get killed on these taxes? And I went, wait a minute, what's the deal here? I thought that I was working towards financial freedom. I didn't realize that I was working for my silent partner, Uncle Sam. And it was right at that moment, literally, that a 20-year court case had gotten settled where the IRS lost and had to allow these things called 1031 exchanges to be done by regular investors like you and me. So it was really the desire was freedom. The pain point was a stupid tax bill, and the opportunity was to use these 1031 exchanges so that we could literally, to the week, reach our 10-year goal of sailing away on a free and clear sailboat, living off of income generated from our real estate portfolio, all because a book of it was tax deferred through 1031 exchanges. So... What was great for me, I thought, you know, I'll bet there's some other folks that could use this. And that's how we started the business. Oh, 
That's really cool. So we touched on this a little bit and, you know, basically we we do this too. We're one of the, I think the few syndication groups or we'll sell a deal. And then we actually do this in a syndication format. We will 1031 exchange. We'll do what's called a drop and swap into another syndication and allows people to continue forward and, and not pay the taxes. And then you just do this, I guess, into infinity, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly right. Syndications, as they're starting to evolve and where you guys are taking it, are kind of the perfect opportunity for a 1031 investor who's transitioning through their life cycle, where they're realizing that now, remember, time is the commodity, time is also the enemy. And as you get further and further into life, you start to realize, I want more time and less effort. And that's where the syndications can really be valuable. The problem has been until recently that doing a 1031 exchange required you to sell real estate and then purchase actual replacement real estate. So to sell a, I couldn't sell a duplex in Sarasota and go buy a position in your syndication because I would have had to have bought a membership interest in the entity that owned the real estate and not the real estate itself. So it was kind of problematic. But what you guys are solving is where you're either allowing people to come in and actually buy a tenant in common interest in the real estate, or you're starting to do your own 1031 exchange with the syndication. So everybody who's invested with you just gets to go along on the ride. And that is awesome because you're deferring tax for a whole bunch of people. And that just leverages into your next deal, which is perfect. Yeah, it's, it was one of those things that we figured out how to navigate it. We were pretty excited. I actually ran point on a lot of the logistics of it, but it was not, the first round was a little bit rocky to try to figure out how to navigate their percentages without really knowing the percentages, <laughs> but there's one one part of it that in the 1031 exchange where you have to have like kind, right? So you have to have property that's basically of, of equal or greater value that you're 1031ing into. And then the debt has to be the same or more on that side too. So you have to have the same or more debt. And then you have to have you know the same purchase price. So it's it kind of has to line up with the same debt and equity. Yeah, and what, what we've seen a few times, and you know, by the way, the debt piece also, though, can be replaced. For those of your folks that are actually looking at doing syndications, the debt piece can be replaced with other investors. It's as long as whatever cash is generated in the sale is used in the new purchase, and as long as the new purchase is at least as valuable, then where the extra funds come from doesn't matter. So whether it's debt consistent or whether it's additional investors, which sometimes, I mean, if you guys, you guys do such a good job, people come to you saying, Hey, can I get in? Well, you can accept them. And that basically acts like debt and a loan. So that can be perfect. But as long as it's aggregate, the aggregate purchase price is the same and all the cash is used, you're good to go. What's cool though, is the opportunity now as syndicate, you've probably found this, right? That your targets are fewer and farther between as you grow bigger and bigger. Well, the idea there is as simple as 
what a basic diversification exchange is. You sell the large multifamily complex, and instead of having to find something bigger, you go find two somethings that are smaller and start to diversify because it's the aggregate purchase price, which lets the syndication have multiple targets and projects that they're working on. And it allows you to continue to grow bigger and bigger and yet stay in your wheelhouse demographic. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the challenges we're dealing with right now is the market shifted as you've got 50% down payments happening a lot of times with new with new debt. And, you know, the deal that we may be 1030 wanting out of was more like 70% or, or whatever it was. Right. So there's a there's a bit of an offset there. And you know, and then you're under the gun to find a deal within the allotted amount of time. But I'm curious, have you seen anyone be creative or figure out ways to buy themselves more time on the 1031? Is, is there any room in there in case you just can't find a deal in time? Yeah. Has anyone done anything like that? Or is it, is it just kind of like, hey, this is what it is? Well, all of our friends here in Florida are getting it right now. And it's called relief from a hurricane. <laughs> The two timing issues that we're talking about that we're alluding to are that you only have 45 days from the day that you close the sale of your old property, your relinquished property. You only have 45 days to identify your potential replacements. And you have 180 days total from the day of the closing of your sale to purchase. And so, yeah, those can get incredibly tight, particularly when you're dealing with larger assets. What are larger investors, the best thing that they're able to do is to lock up their replacement properties, either via a letter of intent or even a lease to operate with an option to purchase or even an extended closing contingent upon the sale of their old property. Now, each one of those can be pretty handy and not too difficult to buy yourself some great time. The lease with an option to buy is actually pretty cool because you can daisy chain those back because you too can do the same thing on the property you want to sell. And then those things just go back. And meanwhile, we're generating fees, we're generating income, and we're able to move on to our new thing through this option. So that's the one way. What I was laughingly joking to was that you're never, nobody's ever going to get a personal exception or exemption. But what happened with Hurricane Ian is that the president declared a national disaster. The IRS agreed, thank you. And now everybody in Florida, South Carolina, and North Carolina has until February 25th, if their date happened, if the, either the 45th or 180th day happened in between September 15th and February 25th. So you think get that extra couple of months and if they started their exchange prior to the disaster, prior to September 15th, then they can actually take another 120 days. Uh, so I don't know, Garrett. That's so you got to wait for a national disaster to get more time, basically. There you go. Like, you know, or start <laughs> one, I suppose. I don't know. So but yeah. I'm curious. People get into these exchanges, but there's... In my experience, there's been QIs. There's different kinds of QIs out there. And 
how do you, I don't, I don't think they're all the same. I think that there's some that look at things differently than others. Some are easier to work with. How do you find and source a good QI for you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's very true. Not everybody's created the same. And for 1031, especially because it's this strange mix of one paragraph of statute. That's literally all it is. One paragraph of statute and 10 to 20,000 pages of case law and all the mucking you have to go through in that to arrive at what a good 1031 is. Plus the fact that the only thing that qualifies you to be a qualified intermediary is if you are, and I don't, I can't make this up. The artist says you are qualified if you are not disqualified. I swear to gosh. And the only thing that disqualifies you is if you have a business agency or family relationship with the client. So basically, you know, the barber down the street could be your QI, but your barber cannot. So it's this strange world where, gosh, right, how are you going to navigate through all that? In my experience over 23 years now, 1031 is about 10% paperwork. And it's 90% strategic understanding of everybody's unique situation. Because your situation is going to fit into the 1031 very differently from someone else's, but it's always going to be the same paperwork. So what I tell people is anybody can fill out forms. Go find the QI that knows enough to look at your unique situation and be able to help be your guide through the minds of Moria to get to the promised land. So experience, certainly, everybody's going to have references. Find people that have done them. That's always my first and best go-to. Find people that have done them and ask them not what paperwork was there, but ask them, did they pick up the phone when I called? Did they answer you when you had an emergency question? Were they able to give you ideas to solve problems that may have been a little bit out of the box, but satisfied the law? And those are the QIs that you're going to find are really going to be helpful in your career because you're never going to do it the same way every time. So your 1031 needs to be crafted a little bit differently every time. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, then check out our investment firm, Nighthawk Equity, at nighthawkequity.com. You can learn more about us, our team, our track record, and investment process, and you can schedule a call with us as well. Just click the Join button. You can fill out a short form to join our investment club, and then you can schedule a call with us. We'd love to have a conversation with you and share some of our upcoming opportunities. Again, that's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. Yeah, that's so good. I mean... I've had QIs that are just horrible and had to actually change out of them because they just didn't understand, you know, some of them just don't understand the syndication side at all. They're just like completely turned off and don't just don't get it at all. We've, so we, when we've had tenants in common related situations, that's, that's the hard part is you've got someone that comes to you say, Hey, I got a couple million bucks I want to put into a deal. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll work through that and it's a 1031, but it's being held with their QI and you don't know that QI, then that QI doesn't understand syndications. And then you have to deal with 
that whole scenario, explaining it and, and this and that. And so we've run into that before. We've had to really get my attorney involved and explain it in the way that it, you know, so they can interpret it. But sometimes they're just hard headed and they won't, they're like, oh, that's, that's not how it works or whatever it is. So, yeah. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that's caused more pressure on you as the syndicator so that you can't just accept any 1031. My guess is, do you guys have some limits as far as how little you'll take in a 1031? Yeah, we do for sure. Yeah, because it's, it's a hassle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hassle. It's not at a certain point, it's just not worth our headache or our time to take someone. If someone's got, you know, 100K or whatever it is, like, yeah. hey, why would we restructure our whole deal just for that? Right. So our minimum yeah. is a million. Exactly. Um, yeah. But can I give you guys a hack that I'm yeah. starting to see more and more? But, and it works beautiful because there are so many just small mom and pop, regular Joe 1031 investors that have not yet been able to scrape up that million in equity to give to you. How can they transition into passive syndications where their future is really going to be determined? And what, what we're starting to do now is coach people on how to separate your investing. Now, the first big separation and this is probably more information even, but is to separate real estate and everything else. Don't use equity accounts to invest in real estate. Don't use real estate accounts to invest in equities. Let your retirement accounts invest in equities because there's no tax benefits and all the tax benefit comes from the retirement account. So keep real estate outside where you get all of the tax benefits. And then the second demarcation is to let your active real estate investments take up part of your portfolio and move into passive investments on the opposite side because there's a gulf between that transition. It's difficult to do to get into good producing. For you guys, they got to have a million bucks. So what can I do if I don't have a million bucks? I've got an active real estate portfolio. I want to transition it into passive sell a piece of property for $500,000. Take the pro that maybe there's 300,000 in equity. Go buy a $200,000 property for cash and buy a second property worth $300,000 with $100,000 down. Now, according to the rules of 1031, did I purchase as much as I sold? Yep. Did I use all my cash proceeds? Sure did. So all of that profit, is protected. But what do I have? Well, I've got a cash flowing leveraged property where I'm getting the benefit of interest arbitrage and that's making money for me and the tenants are paying the mortgage. Beautiful. What else do I have? I've got a free and clear $200,000 property. And now the decision becomes, am I more Dave Ramsey or more Grant Cardone? If I'm more Dave Ramsey, I've got a $200,000 property that's protected from adverse events. If there's another crash, all I get to do is adjust the rent. I never have to worry about losing it. If I fall more on the aggressive side of things, I've got a $200,000 asset that I can refinance at any time and take the cash out. And now that's tax-free cash with no limitations. So I can dial up Garrett, say, Garrett, I got 175000 in cash. Can you take it? 
And the answer is absolutely, because you're not constrained by the 1031. So the 1031 followed by cash out refinances strategically can be a great way to get people into syndication investment. That is so cool. What a, what a great, and for those of you guys listening, that's a great knowledge bomb right there. Cause it's like some people may be up against the gun too, or they're, they're searching for the deal. You can now take some control back and, and go and hunt for your own deal in addition, and then and utilize that strategy to get into syndication if you just want to be passive, but it gives you, it gives you two tracks. So you can kind of run to get into something versus just one, man, that, that's super smart. Talk to me, are there, are there any other cool strategies out there that you're seeing that are more relevant in today's environment or anything notable? You know, in my mind, it's not, not anything that's really, that's really new, but it was the, the keystone to our strategy to end up getting on the boat. And that is that the conversion of properties from investment into your primary residence or vice versa. The idea being that there's, part of the code section 121 that deals with your primary residence. And what it says is that if you have bought a piece of property and lived in it, so that when you sell it, you lived in it for two out of the five years prior to sale. Then if you're married, you get to take the first $500,000 of profit tax-free. And you can do that once every two years. So just think about that by itself. Uh, the National Association of Realtors tells us that people on general move every five to eight years. So by itself, if all you do is buy houses, live in them, and sell them, you're going to have eight to 10 opportunities in your life each time to take $500,000 of profit tax-free. I mean, that's worth everything right there. But here's where it interfaces with my world. It's very cool. And that is that the 1031 exchange is only tax deferred. But there is nothing that says you have to use an investment property for investment forever. As a matter of fact, the IRS gives you a safe harbor at two years, where if you did a 1031, sold a piece of property, bought a piece of property, two years later, you can move into it and convert it into your primary residence. Wait a minute. Yeah. Now, we did this to move our portfolio from Colorado to Connecticut and then to Florida. When we did it, unfortunately, fortunately for us, you got to take the full exemption tax-free. So in all three of those places, we did it both on our primary and then we moved into and investment property and got to take the full amount tax-free. Every time we did that, that went into the buy the boat kitty. Now, since 2008, they changed the rule because somehow I'm pretty sure my picture got put up in the lunchroom at the IRS. Since 2008, you now only get to prorate the amount of tax that's tax-free between the number of years you lived in it and the number of years you used it as investment. So let's take an example of that. Let's say someone's close to retirement and they do a 1031 exchange and they go buy a really nice condo on St. Pete Beach and they use it for investment for two years and then they retire. Well, when they retire, what are they going to do? They're going to sell their place in Ohio tax-free. Where are they going to move? Let's move into that former investment property. 
And then let's say they live in it for eight, eight more years. And now it's time to sell and, I don't know, go live with the kids or in the nursing home or wherever. I've owned it for 10 years. I rented it for two years. So 80% of the gain tax-free. Wow. That's super cool. I literally have one guy that backed up three houses like that, three identical condos. And his retirement plan was to move occasionally into the next one and pay a little bit of tax, take the rest of it tax-free. That is crazy. How cool. Welcome to the tax code. <laughs> so that would, that's the, the one, is it the 121 exemption that we were Correct. talking about? Yep. Yeah. Super cool. What do you think that are the top mistakes investors make during a 1031 exchange? Oh, the single biggest mistake. This is it. I mean, this is miles and miles ahead of everything else is that when their property sells, they are not already laser focused on where they want to invest and what they want to invest in. And it's got to be both. The, the only exchanges I've ever seen really fail are those where people sell and then say, you know, maybe it was a single family rental. Oh, you know, I'm thinking to go to vacation rentals. Or, you know, I'm really thinking maybe commercial rentals. I like San Diego. I like Gatlinburg. Those people are doomed from the start. Because you only got 45 days. Yeah. That's there's, it. there's a lot of work that goes into that side to figure out where you want to be, what you're looking at, what you can actually buy. And it's so funny you say that because we get calls all the time like, I don't know what to do. And well, I'm out of time. And, th- and they'll just identify deals that are not even they're like, hey, can I just put this address on something? Which is interesting as well. Because <laughs> don't you have to lock it up for 180 days if you put the address down and in that yes, you do. Yeah. Do you know why someone might do that though? Why? Here's another life hack. Yeah. Because let's say you sold your property in September and you had a good year and you're going, man, this tax, I don't want to pay more tax this year. I'm going to start a 1031 exchange. And maybe I can't find a good property, but I'm just going to ask Garrett to give me an address. Let me put one down. I don't care what it is. You put the address down and you're absolutely right. That locks up your property till day 180. But what year is day 180 going to be in? Ah, 2023. Right. And the code specifically allows you to the option of taking installment sale treatment on a 1031 exchange. So your sale is in September. If you touch the money in 2022, you're going to pay the tax the next April. But if you let the exchange go across the tax year, get the money back in February, you don't have to pay the tax until April or October of 2024. So there's a method to their madness, maybe. You like, I, I was just going to ask that question. That's And that's super funny because we're actually in the middle of one right now. And we don't have a property necessarily identified. I mean, we're, we already know, know our location and we know what we're looking for. It's just right now it's hard to find it harder than normal to find a deal. And, you know, I heard about this, but I didn't know if it was the 45, but it, that makes sense. Cause you, you're locked in for 180 days either way, back yeah. till the next year. So then at least next year, there's time to find some other asset that you can depreciate against those gains potentially. So you, at least you have time. If it, if we landed at the end of this year, there's no time for someone that's else to exactly find right. another another investment, right? Yeah, um, that's exactly right. 
So That's I'm saying it's cool. a great app. It'll work with either the 45 or the 180. I think this year, November 17th is the witching day. Closure sale after November 17th, and you cannot turn in a 45D list and get your money back on January 1st. How do I know that? Because I have a few people that do it every year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we looked at that. That's a really good point on that as well. Yeah, the, the next card kind of coupled with this, but the second most frequent mistake, but it's way far down the list, is that people panic and just take anything. And I mean, I, I you know, I get it. I make money when I do exchanges for people, but I'm an investor that wants to teach people. And the worst thing you can do is make a decision simply because you're going to save tax. Nobody ever went broke. Nobody ever went broke paying tax on profit. Just doesn't happen. But a whole Unless lot of they people spend have gone broke buying a bad property. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's that old saying, it's not the property. It's not the deal that you don't get that kills you. It's the deal that you got that you shouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. That's the one that kills you. Yep, that's right. So be ready to let it go if you have to. Wow. And make good decisions. Such such good info. Dave, how can people reach you if they if they want to get a hold of you? We've tried to make it real easy for people. Our website, the1031investor.com. You can hook up with us there, schedule consultations. We've got like a 32-part YouTube video series that'll not keep you up at night. And calculators, all sorts of things to help you. Because again, the key is not doing the 1031, doing it right and doing it right for what your needs are. That's amazing. What great advice, guys. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. It's awesome. Anytime, my friend. Guys, I love this conversation. I thought there were so many good nuggets in here. One of the ones that stood out to me was the fact that your QI is actually 10% paperwork and 90% unique understanding of the person that's 1031ing's situation. That was a big realization for me because I was always wondering why QIs were so different when you get to actually working with them. So for those of you that haven't done a 1031 exchange, a little bit of context, the QI is essentially the facilitator. So the person that will help you get a 1031 exchange across the finish line. And if they understand what you're trying to do, they can be a big help. If they don't, they can work against you. And so we've we've struggled with some tick investors in the past that didn't have great QIs, as I mentioned on the podcast, I completely agree with what he said on that. And so really sourcing that QI is going to be very important to the success of someone's 1031 exchange. The other thing I loved was the 180 day concept that I learned about today, where you can actually sell a property elect a property, just put an address in that's random and hold that cash into the next year to defer the taxes, even if you don't 1031 exchange into the next year so that people have time to get into another investment opportunity in that following year versus right then. I mean, that is the coolest thing ever. And it's just a way to push, push the envelope forward a little bit further. So if you, let's say like can't identify a deal in 41 days, the next best option may be to just defer it in the next year so you can find another resource, another property to 
invest into to offset that gain. So I love that tip. I love how he breaks. He likes to break it into multiple deals. I don't think a lot of people consider that or do that with his example with buy a house in cash and then buy another one with financing. And then he got two sites going on. I mean, that is just brilliance in that sense. So a lot of really high level, great nuggets and information out of Dave Foster. If you guys want to learn how to be active in the business and find deals on your own, please reach out to us at themichaelblanc.com slash mentor and see if a mentor is right for you. A lot of people have done a lot of deals because of these mentors. They're incredible. They do deals themselves. They're not really doing this for the money. They're doing it more to help people get into real estate, which is the vision of this company to help as many people as possible become financially free in real estate. So if you're interested, please reach out to us for that. So that's the show today, guys. Thanks for stopping by and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault. 